As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, how you doing, bud? Wonderful, Big Jed. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, really good. Really good. Uh, JJ and I have been uh, over in Georgia at an equipment auction, uh, some work stuff, and um, just a big package we were selling. So we had us a great time. Got back about an hour or so ago, enjoying uh, sitting down here and talking a little racing with you. How about you? What's happening with you? Yeah, uh, just tidying some things up on my end, getting out of town. Probably by the time anybody listens to this podcast, I will be on uh, on an Amtrak Heading north, uh, going to Chicago for the weekend and do a little sightseeing. I've never Am, ridden Am, Amtrak. Goes by ground, Luke. That's not that doesn't go by air. No, no, I, I've never, uh, I've never ridden on a train. How about you? No, I have not. Other than at the zoo, is all about. Yeah, I have rode the train at the zoo. Don't you say that? That's, <laughs> my uh, my little guy is all about 
trains and railroads oh. and, and so we're going to ride on a train and my wife's always wanted to go to chicago neither one of us have really ever been so uh that's the plan for the week and we're getting my uh in-laws out of the house which is rare like my wife asked them to join us i thought as a joke and they actually hmm. took us up on it so i'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be a fun uh fun week up there Cool. So you guys gonna just spend a little family vacation time in Chi Town? Yeah. See what it's all about up there. Well, it better be a great time. Yeah. So we're going on a train ride, but Jed, for the next hour, I'd say we're gonna have, go on a little bit of a roller coaster ride. We've got <laughs> a lot to talk about this week on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and a lot of um, I don't know, touchy, volatile, interesting subjects. Mm. Yeah. Uh, might be getting a little bit out of our comfort zone at times, but I, I think it'll be good. I've been looking forward to this episode. We've got a lot to cover. Like I say, we've got uh, an update in the Allstate uh, competition. The door car field has been released, so we'll discuss that. We'll try to briefly touch on results from last weekend. NHRA National event up in uh, Englishtown. The No Dragster Nationals at Darlington. The Ultimate 64 at uh, Killcare. Couple of IHRA races from across the country, but I think what I'm looking most forward to is we're going to sit down later in the show with Cody Harger. Cody is a racer and has also taken over the uh, the reins as the head tech inspector at the Million Dollar Race and a couple of the other big dollar bracket races across the country. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk to him a little bit about cheating and, and tech and kind of the state of cheating in the sport. So I'm looking forward to that. But let's start the show off with a. Uh, a topic that's not as fun. Uh, one of our buddies, good racer, good guy, Todd Berry, was involved yeah. in a pretty nasty crash at uh, US 43 Raceway, which is in Lawrenceburg or Etheridge, uh, Tennessee, not far from the Alabama state line. For those of you that don't know Todd, I think the, the biggest bummer about this is the truck that he crashed is arguably maybe the most immaculate race car certainly the most immaculate like bottom bulb car i've ever seen uh and one that he's had i believe his entire life and kind of uh um, built up and into what it is or or now was um it was just a beautiful truck that just the pictures i saw was absolutely destroyed uh yes rolled five or six times just looked awful so heartbroken for todd and obviously that's a rough thing to go through but somehow glad he's all right first of all um yes like i say beautiful truck destroyed that's heartbreaking more so i'm sure for him than anybody but to all of us but somehow the story went from that to todd berry who i correct me if i'm wrong i don't believe has a facebook account he does not but somehow or another todd berry managed to break facebook yesterday for the racing community i'll let you take the reins from here chad can can you explain to me what happened I can do my best, Luke. Uh, Todd does not have a Facebook account, but his name was mentioned on Facebook uh, quite a lot over the last 24 to 36 hours. And, you know, it's like you said, unfortunate accident. And Todd, first to tell you, he set it down hard and something let go and it rolled five or six times. Watched him drive. Uh, it's not crazy aggressive, but he, he can stop on you and it got away from him. But he's first to tell you, it was it was all on him. But. Very glad he's okay. Safety equipment did his job, and, uh, and he got out of it unscathed, just a little beat up, and obviously some hurt feelings of vehicle he's had 25-plus years. And for those of you that have seen it, uh, Todd's taken it from just a, a street truck to what it was before the crash. And 
he told me there ain't a straight spot on it. So he said it is completely gone and um, not much on it can be reused. So, you know, obviously when there's a, a crash to that level, uh, everybody gathers around and pictures get taken. And, you know, it's typically, hey, show this to you, buddy. Man, look what happened. Terrible thing. So somebody got a little deeper into the pictures and Todd was running no box. He was double entered no box at US 43. Somebody took a picture of his delay box. Well, the, the dash was caved in. The inside of the truck was even destroyed. You know, it was a terrible, terrible crash. And, and Todd is very lucky to get out safely. So automatically, Facebook has to assume that it was a no box race and he had a delay box in the truck. So he has to be cheating. There's no other answer possible. Zero other answer possible, but this guy's a cheater and everything he's won, he's used a delay box to cheat with because that's how Facebook works or the internet in general. So the delay box is just hanging by the wires, basically. And again, looks like it's coming out from under the dash because the dash is caved in and it's all of a sudden reported on Facebook that it was a hidden delay box and it was behind his CD player and all this started you know generating a lot of interest as you can imagine so you know obviously knowing todd like i do immediately there's there's no way this this can't be possible todd hadn't got a hidden delay box he he goes deep in a 3600 or 3800 pound truck and leaves at 2200 rpms that the i've got a picture of the button it's a foot from the steering wheel coming out of the dash and the delay box is all zeroed out. But still, he has to be cheating. There's no other explanation for it. Uh, he's a cheater. I guess some people thought that he rolled his truck five or six times. He's had it 25 plus years. Has to be devastated. Crawled out of it. But just before he crawled out of it, he had time to zero out everything. And uh, just maybe somebody wouldn't catch him cheating. Pretty good presence of mind. That's like Bob Man. covering up the intake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it would have to be really good. So I talked to Todd and, and we chatted a little bit about what people were saying about him. And uh, good for him. I really don't care. He couldn't care less. They can say whatever they want to. The real story is the delay box was mounted on a pedestal coming up out of the floor, just like. Most of our delay boxes are these days in plain view. It is removable. So there's some question as to why, if it's removable and he was in no box and no box only, why was it still in the vehicle? He does run both classes on occasion. It was in the vehicle because he went to track management at the beginning of the day. It is new management. So, you know, he had to understand where they are on this situation where they are on this issue told them i got a delay box in the truck but you know i can pull it out and they're like you know what don't even worry about that because what we are we're grown folks with common sense and we can tell if a guy's rolled deep at 2200 or on the trans brake with his hand one foot from the steering wheel with a button in his hand we can tell that so no worries todd just zero it out so nobody has any concerns and leave it in the vehicle. Right where it is, in plain sight, coming out of the floorboard with your button, again, a foot from the steering wheel. So all of a sudden, this thing blows up. 
uh, unbelievably. And typically, especially given position with being a race promoter of a bottom bulb race, a, a popular one at that, being on the podcast, you know, I, I try to remain as neutral as I can and just let things play out. But this is a good friend of mine, a guy that I know wouldn't cheat you. And I, I just couldn't take it anymore. It was me and some other people were defending it. It was so bad. And it kept getting reported that it was hidden. And it kept getting reported by some of us that, no, it was not hidden. It was coming right up out of the floorboard for everybody to see. And it just got blown completely out of proportion last night. And I think Todd, you know, he, his name was damaged because of what was reported on Facebook falsely. Absolute 100% false. It boiled down to why is it in the truck if he's running no box? And I'll tell you, Luke, I have made runs with my box in the car and foot brake. I've done it mm-hmm. because I've been at tracks that didn't care. Right. And you're running both classes and whatever. Right. Yeah. Just whatever. That's all Todd did. He went to the track, asked them their policy and their position. They told him. He responded accordingly. Is it the right thing for a delay box to be in a vehicle in bottom bulb racing? No. The track and now, I'm, obviously, I bet they've learned their lesson here. But <laughs> I would assume so. The track should have a policy that it needs to be out of the vehicle. And that's great. Just to eliminate anybody fussing about it and yeah. cause... Just to uh, cut down some of this drama. Yeah, to cut down some of that. Because reality is, if somebody's using it, we're going to know. I mean, all you got to do is watch. And you'll see that. So... You know, his name was getting dragged through the mud pretty bad last night. I believe that most people, everybody that knows Todd knows that he wouldn't cheat you. And I believe that most people in their heart of hearts knows he didn't really do anything wrong. But the delay box shouldn't have been in the car or the truck. And and I agree with that. I did not defend that it should be in the vehicle. What I defended was Todd went to track management. They told him how they wanted it handled, and he handled it exactly like they said and and just went by the rules that they gave him, which I think any of us would. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway from this is, A, I'm crying that Todd's truck's destroyed because it was awesome. Um, yes. B, I don't think that there is any no box or foot brake class in the country that should allow the delay box to be left in the car simply because of situations like this and the drama. I agree with you. Like a starter with any common sense is going to realize that Todd in this instance or anybody is foot braking versus trans brake racing. But just to eliminate any shadow of the doubt, I think that that's a rule that should be in place. And I know is in place at your events, the small no box portion of the, the summer door car shootout, the delay box cannot be in the car. And just like you, I've raced at plenty of facilities like this that just don't care. Like it's completely on the honor system, zero the box out. We're fine with it. And just kind of like you said earlier, like I'm one and we'll talk about this more with Cody. Like I don't want to be in the middle of any of this crap. I have never staged in the, in, in a foot breakdown with delay box in the car, just because I don't want to deal with it. Like I take it out for time trials when I go up with foot break. Like I just don't want to mess with it. Yeah. So that's the one thing, like, 
on Todd's end, could you do differently? Yeah, sure. But that I'm with you. Like that's not the point of this. The point of this is some overzealous people looking to jump on a soap opera on social media, in my opinion. Yeah. And in the false reporting was just, uh, it was just pushing it overboard. Uh, the hidden delay box and this and that being said, I just, none of that was true. It wasn't hidden and it wasn't operable with all zeros in it. So it was surely a kick a man while he's down session. Right. I mean, this guy is going through total devastation. However, I understand he made an agreement with somebody this morning and purchased a, a new race car. So good for him. He's going to get right back in the saddle, and it's a really nice one at that. So, I'm happy to hear um, yep, I'm happy to hear that as well. And I'm sure his delay box will be out next time he hits the bottom with it. But until then, you know, I, I just hope we can squash it all and and let the man recover without having this extra stuff put on his plate agree 100 percent. all right like we said earlier we're going to try to uh go fairly efficiently through some uh, some race results from last weekend i guess i don't even know if it's the biggest race of the weekend but where we're going to start is uh, the nhra national event in englishtown new jersey top sportsman saw jeff brooks defeat ronald regal uh, a couple of division one guys there super comp was kevin robb over sean frick how about this super gas final, Big Jet? I'm going to say this is the the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. I, I, I worked on that for a couple of days. You like that? That was really good. That was the Jed coming out in me. Do you, do you work stuff up like that? Like, do you pre-rehearse anything for for your mm. announcing gigs, or is that all mm. off the cuff? No, it's all off the cuff. I'm giving uh, you way too much credit. Thank anything you. I rehearse would be screwed up. So. Yeah, see, I, I can't, I can't think that quick. The, the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Uh, John Labouche Jr. versus Danny Northrup in the final super gas. Two of probably the the most recognizable and successful drivers of our generation, and, and two guys that uh, a. Little John, we've talked about at length the season that he's having, particularly in Supergas. Like, oh my goodness, can't be stopped. Then Northrop's having a good season of his own. And this race is at Englishtown. And Dan Northrop hasn't lost a round of Supergas at Englishtown since my son was born. He's, he had wow. the two previous years coming into this. Wow. Staged up for the final against Little John. So somewhere between. 18 and 20 consecutive round wins in 990 at Englishtown at the national event level. So something's got to give. And those two had a race that you would expect. It was decided by less than a thousandth of a second. Their numbers probably weren't exactly what they had in mind coming in the final. They're both 20 and two above, but it's kind of fitting that it came out that close. And um, I don't yeah. know if I would consider Northrop the unstoppable force or the immovable object, but whichever one, <laughs> he came out on the top end of what I, I guess essentially is a coin flip. Dan Northrup makes it three consecutive Supergas wins at Englishtown over John LaBouche Jr., who was going for what his, what is that, fourth win in five events or something crazy in Supergas. So kudos to both of those guys. Yeah, unbelievable performance again by Caboose. And um, what else can you say about Danny? This guy just gets it done, especially there. That's a really impressive. Uh, Superstock saw a couple of very talented uh, racers, one on the younger side, one uh, a little bit more experienced as Timothy Fletcher got the win over Herbie Knoll. Uh, Herbie won his share of races, especially in that part of the country. And then how about Stock, Luke? I mean, 
this guy, he don't get a lot of opportunities, but when he does, man, he makes it count. How about the box score? Yeah, oh, it, I mean, very, very impressive. It was like Peter Biondo's come in and said, okay, hadn't raced in a while. 20's good. I'll be 20. So he was 20 through the first five rounds of eliminations, every round. And then he had a bye run at the semis and was like, you know, I've been 20 every time. I might as well just chip it up a little bit and be better. So he's 13. <laughs> and in the final, he's 14. That only the two. I mean, yeah. <laughs> For five <laughs> rounds, he had a 9,000th window. And then, like you said, on the bye, probably chipped it up and then had a 1,000 window between his last two runs. And total 19,000 difference from his best to his worst in elimination. So just... I mean, again, this guy just keeps getting it done. Russell Linky, obviously, we know he's a, a, a very, I mean, Bubba's a very, very tough opponent and um, had a good tree, but looks like Peter might have dropped him off a little bit down there, B14 did too. So, Pete Riondo gets it done once again in stock. Just another amazing performance on his part. Something that they did, special at Englishtown, and I, I guess... From reading a couple of posts, this is an option for all national event tracks. I don't know that many of them take advantage of it, or maybe if they do, it's just not as well publicized. But they basically give the local tracks the opportunity at the national event to feature some of the, the racing and the racers that fans could come and see at that facility on a weekly basis. And in this instance, it was a, a pro ET shootout. They basically took the top eight in foot break points at Raceway Park and allowed them to have their own shootout as part of the national event on Sunday. Got a wildly to win. I think they were parked down on the midway. Pretty neat opportunity for um, some local racers. Yeah. And this group, I don't know if you kept up with this. I assume you did, Jed, as being the, the footbreak guy that you are. Like, I'm not from anywhere near Englishtown, New Jersey, and I know of over half of these racers. Yeah. This I is mean, a solid group of bottom ballers. <laughs> Some of the toughest names in our portion of the sport are in the, the foot break portion, you know, Denny Mack and Ryan Mullaney, Jim Young, Andrew Bacuto, just guys that go everywhere and win, but they've especially got their share of wins up in that part of the country. And the final round was, shoot, I mean, this is quarter mile too. This is stellar. Uh, Denny Mack, Denny McCloskey, I shouldn't call him Denny Mack for those that, that might not know him, but Denny McCloskey. Got the win. He's 006 and dead on with a nine, I believe it was. Yeah, he was 15 package in the final. His opponent was Raymond Whitehead, and Raymond was also 006 on the tree, but uh, maybe he ran off, maybe he set it down. It, it wouldn't be like Denny to, to take that much, so he probably set it down to go four above when it didn't look right. But Denny McCloskey uh, getting the win there, and, and that had to be pretty special in front of a national event crowd and and doing it at your home track where you've all you know all earned the right to be there through your points performance so far and kudos to denny mack that was uh that was probably a very special win on his part yeah and what a cool program I, i'd like to see more national event facilities take advantage of that if that's an option to all of them that's pretty neat yeah that would be great to see we'll move from english town i think we covered everything there to um, Darlington, just a little uh, little bit further south down the East Coast for the No Dragster Nationals, one of the many events that uh, the folks at SFG Promotions, it's uh, Wesley Washington and uh, Kyle Riley, 
put on uh, this one at Darlington's. Action started on Thursday, I believe, with a uh, warm-up $10,000 race. It saw my man Mad Max, Max McLaughlin, got the win over James Freeman. Mad Max, uh, if you keep up, follow him on social media at all, you know that he drove 1,100 miles, him and our buddy uh, Robbie Lopez, yeah. um, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area all the way down uh, I-20 to Darlington and, and made that payoff. And, and if you're... Okay, if, you, if you're Max McLaughlin and you're driving that far for this, there's a couple of reasons for it. A, it's a $50,000 door car race. B, it's door cars only. You got to feel like you can win. C, he's going with Robbie Lopez. And Jed, I don't know if you spent much time with Robbie, but yeah. I'm just going to tell you that that's going to be a memorable trip when losing. <laughs> like, that's going to be a good time. That's going to be something that you talk about in 20 years. And But I think, lastly, too, like the reason that you make that trip and and just keeping up with Max on social media, like part of this was like, look, I want to prove that I can do this at this level. And then maybe to some extent too, not so much prove it to the outside world. Like I want to prove it to the guys back home that look, guys, we can do this. If I can do this, y'all can do this. Uh, yeah. Like there was a lot of that. Where are my North Texas guys at? You know what I mean? And I just think that's cool. Like I, I enjoy keeping up with that, especially when he puts on the show that he did throughout the weekend, which we'll touch on as we go, but he started it off with a ten thousand dollar win on Thursday night again over James Freeman. Yep, yeah, big day there for Max getting it started. And Friday's twenty k was a, a a guy in a car I'm familiar with, uh, Jose Diaz, over Jeff Parrish. Jose getting the twenty thousand dollar win in the the Camaro that I got to drive at the Spring Fling Million in Vegas. Uh, I, I think that you car remember. Looked familiar. I think you remember that car, don't you, Luke? Vaguely. You blew by it in round number five, but nonetheless, uh, Jose made it pay off the right way and got the win. So good for him and Calvi Peru uh, partners on that car. Really good piece. Saturday in the 50K, Richard Taylor put his name in the winner's circle once again on, in the big show. Uh, Richard, uh, a guy that's won a lot, especially in that part of the country, and Got the win over the guy that uh, we just talked about. They got the Thursday 10K warm-up, Luke Mad Max. Made it all the way to the final round of the 50 and come up just a little short to, to Richard. Yeah, impressive showing for the young man from Texas, without a doubt. And then uh, the weekend closed out, 15 grander on Sunday with an all-foot break final. How about that, Jed? Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Chris Dixon over Kevin Pollard. And the way that they do that there, is it, is it a 32-car foot break field or no box field? Or was it open? I believe it was open, Luke. Okay, and they just ran separate until, obviously, until there was a few of them, because there's two in the final. And then those guys duped it out against the boxcars the rest of the way and, and ended up in the final round. I don't. I know Pollard made waves last year when he won the, was it 50 or 100 grander? 100 grander. Yeah, he won 50 grander, and it paid an additional five for right. the footbreaker to win, so it was 55 total. And he was the first footbreaker that I know of to, to capitalize on a purse of that nature, and he's also now involved in what I believe, anyway, is the first all-footbreak final at a top ball brace of that magnitude, so pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of it, uh, and you know, a couple of bad dudes there, and I think Pollard got deep in... Maybe one of the other big races there the weekend. So another another great weekend for Kevin Pollard and congratulations Chris Dixon wrapping that up fifteen thousand dollars to the good. We'll another, uh, move from Darlington to uh Kilcare, Zeno, Ohio, the ultimate sixty four uh race that's been going on for a long time at a few different venues. I believe this was the first year at Kilcare. 
Action got started Thursday with a $25,000 to win Ultimate 64 Challenge, which is just a precursor for the weekend. If you've ever been to the Ultimate 64, you know that they do a whole lot of racing in a little bit of time. Yes. But, uh, Thursday's action kicked off with Rob Stacy taking on that twenty five grand over Dane Bruce. Dane's one of uh, one of the guys that tends to uh, come out here and support us at the Summer Door Car Shootout. Fun guy to be around, so good to see him in the final, taking that uh, runner-up to Rob Stacy. Friday was... Team Ohio, the Randy Shewer Show. Randy won the 10-grander over Dean Howard, came back shortly thereafter, and uh, they had a 64-car, $8,000 win shootout. I say shortly thereafter. I think this race happened second. Uh, he won that, too. Randy Shewer, in an all-Ohio final, knocked off David Davis. Yeah, heck of a day there for Randy, and uh, congratulations to him. Really, really good guy, and Obviously, uh, a, a very memorable day at the track. So it was great to see Randy get both of those, which is extremely hard to do in a, a field of talent like visits the Ultimate 64. So heck of a job by him. Saturday's 10K was Gary May. Gary yeah. getting back in. <laughs> Gary getting back in the winter circle. Probably been 20 minutes since he'd won a race. So good for Gary. He got the win over Bryson Scruggs. Big B. Big V's a, a young racer, a, uh, I believe he's Jason Lynch's nephew out of the uh, Nashville area, young up-and-comer. Mm. I, I, pretty cool for me to see his name pop up there. Big B probably checked tires for me when he was 12, um, so it makes me feel a little bit cool. old to see him wheeling the, one of the Cars Protection Plus dragsters to the final round, but good on him. Yep, he got the right pedigree for sure if he's, if he's in racing Jason's camp. In the ultimate loop, uh, that was... Uh, that was a big deal, 50, 50 grand. That's the main event. Yep, that's what they go for. And uh, a guy that uh, has won his share of, of big races and uh, been doing it for quite a while at that in, in the same car, and that's Roy St. Dennis. Uh, Roy, I'm not sure what part of Michigan Roy's from, but uh, he come down from Michigan and got it done in the Thunderbird. I believe a little high gear only set up, if I remember right. I think Roy goes six O's at like 240 mile an hour or something like that. So <laughs> great job by Roy getting another huge win over Ron Steyer, Jr. Ron, uh, another good guy to, to make the final there, the ultimate 50 grand. But Roy, Roy with a great day at the track, Luke, $50,000 richer. You, you felt that, so you know how it's feeling. Yeah, I believe Roy, I know he was in the final. I want to say he won the 50 grander at Michigan. It's been, shoot, it's probably been a decade ago. Um, but no stranger to the big stage. And like you say, he's won a lot of big races in that particular car. So good on him. Action closed up on Sunday with uh, the last $10,000 daily event, which was won by Josh Morgan. He knocked off Ron Vance in the final. And just a quick note, too, on the uh, Junior Dragster program. I believe that there were just two Junior Dragster races at the event. A uh, young man by the name of Blake Adams won them both. A uh, 32 car shootout on Saturday and a quick 16 shootout at some point during the weekend. So um, don't give a whole lot of attention to the junior dragster crowd on here, but uh, shout out to Blake Adams. That's anytime you double up, uh, he and Randy Shewer, both pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations to uh, Randy Helton and Kelly Estes. Uh, look like another great Ultimate 64. Those guys do a really good job. Very well planned and uh, really happy to see that, that they had another successful event. 
For sure. Uh, a couple of IHRA races, what was it, Farmington and uh, and US-131. Again, I want to uh, save as much of the show as I can to uh, to talk with Cody Harder because I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. But wanted to touch on these real briefly. We're not going to go through every single class, but some notable stuff from uh, US-131, which is up in Martin, Michigan. Uh, double wins by Mark Howard in stock and by Mark Nowicki in super stock. So it was good to be a bottom ball bracer name mark <laughs> at uh, us 131 last weekend kudos to both of those guys my buddy travis colangelo uh, one of the head cheeses up there at american race cars was in the final of top dragster both days got a win on saturday a runner-up on sunday i also wanted to uh, mention justin Mosier getting his first super rod trophy uh his big first big super rod win on saturday in the Mosier engineering back corvette and I thought it was notable, too, to mention Rick Schneider. Uh, he won Quick Rod, I believe it was on Saturday, is one of the races. But Rick also won the NHRA race in Norwalk just a couple weeks ago, if that name sounds familiar. That's a name that uh, we have, uh, that has been broadcast over the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Airways in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Great job by those guys. And uh, again, uh, didn't want to cut that too short, but definitely wanted to, to make sure that um, we leave as much time as we can for Cody Harger. Yeah, and we will dedicate an episode in, I don't want to say the near future, probably a little bit uh, more into the fall as the point season starts to wind up. We will dedicate an episode to the IHRA points chase and try to shed some light on the competitors that have just had standout seasons. But I have a feeling when we get there, we're going to be talking about a guy named Danny Waters Jr. DW is yeah. lighting up. The IHRA quick crowd scene, uh, several final rounds already this year, doubled again at Farmington one Saturday um, over Frank Altillo, who's in a couple of finals himself over the weekend, one Sunday over our man KB, a pair of wins for DW, and I, I think it was maybe Darlington earlier in the year, he had won two there, or maybe even been in three finals, like he did something crazy at Darlington, now he's done something crazy at Farmington, uh, I haven't kept up real closely with the IHRA stuff. I don't know who could challenge him in quick ride, but I'm going to say that whoever it is got their hands full. Yeah, I hadn't been able to keep up with that either. But um, Johnny Tolisano got the win over Ken Batchelor. And um, he, uh, he, the note said he ruined Batchelor's shot at a double. So yeah, I Batch- think Batchelor won on Saturday, and, uh, and Johnny knocked him off in the final on Sunday. So that kept Batchelor from double, but it also, I believe, was a shot in the arm for uh, Talisano, who came into the event as the uh, national points leader and top dragster, and obviously strengthened that position with the win. Yep, and he got by uh, KB's better half, Ivy, in, uh, in Saturday's final, so, or, or Ken did, so um, that was a, a good day for him as well. All right. Before we get to Cody Harger, we've got some Allstate news to uh, to talk about. Again, they have released the second class of seven. We talked last week about the uh, top bulb dragster category just today, as obviously we're recording this on um, Tuesday evening at noon today. They released the top bulb door cars. And again, my goodness, what a list. That in just a second, one other note from the Allstate competition, our friends at Racing RVs, who we talk about here on the podcast every single week. Uh, Racing RVs has signed on to be a part of the Great American Bracket Race, and in in turn, the Allstate Challenge. Uh, Racing RVs will be the title sponsor of Friday's 10 Grander. 
at the Great American Bracket Race. Again, that is at Memphis, the second weekend of September, the week after Labor Day. And that is where, A, they've got a $50,000 win main event, and it's obviously where the All-State competition will be contested. So, Jed, break it down for me. Door car representatives in the All-State competition. Yeah, as you mentioned, Luke, super impressive list. Uh, our, our Alabama Slammers will have uh, Todd Bones Ewing in uh, the door car. Arkansas has Big Papa Greg Brotherton. California with High Gear Ryan Harum. Florida with G-Dub Gary Williams. Georgia has the legend Ricky Jones. Your Illinois team has Andrew D. Piazza, a super tough racer and great guy. Indiana with Gary May. I, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Kentucky, just, just with, <laughs> Kentucky with Adam Klein. Louisiana, Cody Harger's Louisiana team with Travis Barnett in his fast door car. Maryland has yet to name a door car racer. Mississippi with A.J. Ash. New Jersey and New York both have yet to name their door car driver. I think they're trying to figure out in New York how to get Peter in every slot, but it's not going to work. Uh, North Carolina has Chad Duke, Ohio with Kenny Underwood, uh, Oklahoma with Chris Gassaway, South Carolina with JoJo Gary, Tennessee with the aforementioned racing Jason Lynch, Texas with Michael Pennington, Virginia with the million-dollar man Jeff Verde, Kansas gets Bob Gilmore, Michigan has the recent 50-grand winner at the Ultimate, Roy St. Dennis. Pennsylvania with Bob Murphy. Uh, Missouri has, or Missouri, I believe is how I'm supposed to say that, <laughs> Logan Diggs. Uh, Iowa, yet to name a competitor. Nebraska with Max Peterson. Max is Colorado. a defending summer door car shootout champion. Just had to throw that in. Yeah, he's a tough racer. Uh, Colorado uh, has yet to name a door car racer. Uh, Ontario, Canada has Jamie Tupper. I guess Jamie will be in the Vega. Uh, Minnesota with, I don't know that last name, Luke. You, you might have to help me with that. I'll go with Greg Lamecki. Lamecki. If, that's, if okay. that's not right, I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> it should be right if it isn't. With South, confidence. I mean, that's part of the battle. <laughs> South Dakota, yet to name a, a door car racer. And Wisconsin has Steve Rares, or maybe Roars. I don't know, Steve. I apologize if I'm butchering that, but uh, that one's a little bit difficult, but uh, just another long list of talent that's going to be fun to watch play out the Great American Bracket Race and the All-State Challenge. I didn't think it was possible to have a list more star-studded and impressive than the Top Bob Dragster list, um, but this might do it. This is pretty nasty. Um, I don't yes. know that there's anyone that we just mentioned that hasn't uh, won at least like a five grander at some point. And most of these guys, like what there's three or $4 million race winners on there. Um, no, at least four. Yeah. Uh, G-Dub, Ricky Jones, Kenny, Verdi. Um, I may be forgetting another one like that. Most yeah. accomplished, Jed. We went through this last week. Who's the most accomplished name on that list? Most accomplished. I would probably have to go a racing Jason, but it's, you know, if you just look at in the bracket racing world, I guess it'd have to be G-Dub. Yeah, G-Dub or Underwood. Like, Underwood's right there, too. And 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 we've gone through three names here before we mentioned Ricky Jones. Ricky yeah, Jones won every race in the world. 
Yes, he has in the same car. <laughs> I mean, how long has he been racing that thing? Since the 80s, Luke? Yeah, it's older than dirt. I don't know. I think um, since the 80s. All right. We talked about it last week, Jed, with the with the dragster crowd. Like, uh, I know it's hard to pick out of those names, but who would yes. you say is the, the most accomplished racer on that list for the door car guys? Well, looking over that list, Luke, uh, I mean, so much talent and so many accomplishments. But, you know, knowing what G-Dub's accomplished not necessarily in a door car, but what he's accomplished, period, is uh, that's as impressive as it gets to me. Yeah, I agree. And if you're talking more um, door car exclusively, um, like Ricky Jones comes to top of mind, like yeah. he's, he's done it all in that same car for what, three decades? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been running it since the mid-80s or early 80s, and it's it just got actually redone a couple of winters ago for the first time in probably 25 years. So, uh, yeah, he's he's had that same bullet for yeah, a while. Talking, obviously, Jeff Verde, back-to-back million-dollar race winner. Um, Kenny Underwood, who's won everything under the sun, and at least probably for the last 10 years, most of it's been in a door car. Yeah, um, and that's just the top of the list as far as you know career yeah. accomplishments. Who's who, who'd be the who's the hottest right now? Hard to argue with Michael Pennington, right? Yeah, I'd say Michael is is probably the hottest right now. Uh, AJ wins a lot in a door car, um, but Michael probably is the hottest at the moment. All right, if uh, I put you on the spot, if you had to pick one today, if the race was tomorrow, uh, obviously Bones is your horse. Um, but you had a feeling about anybody? Anybody stands out to you? Yeah, I will uh, avoid the home team, and I will say racing Jason. Um, I, other than Bones winning, I, I think racing Jason is going to be my pick. It's hard to pick against, and you mentioned it earlier. If I got to pick one, I know that the most notable accomplishments in Gary Williams' career have come at the wheel of a long skinny car, but I also know if there's something big going on, and this race pales, I guess, in comparison to like the million as far as purse. But in terms of notoriety and attention, like I think all eyes are going to be on Memphis the second week yes. of September. This is a big race in, in sportsman drag racing. And there is nobody that I would rather have on my side or put my money on with a lot on the line than Gary Williams. So I'll just I'll stick with G-Dub. Very good pick. And it's going to be fun to watch it play out again. Another great list of racers and we'll be introducing each class as, uh, as they're released in the coming weeks. All right, Jed, before we get to Cody Harger, before we take a little break for um, some of our advertising, Last week on the show, we rolled out the hashtag racing answers segment presented by this is com. Got some great feedback there. Um, got some good questions for an upcoming episode, but just wanted to remind all of you guys at that, um, post to our Facebook page, message us on Facebook. If you've got any, um, specific topics or questions or anything that you would like us to discuss in that segment in the future and again just hashtag it hashtag racing answers that last week we focused on on safety but don't feel as though that segment of the show is limited to that if you want to talk racing strategy if you want to talk about improving reaction times uh, getting better at the finish line the the mental game so to speak anything related to sportsman drag racing even vehicle setup um submit the questions and uh it would pick out the one that we like best and do our best to uh to shed some light on that subject on the show again that's hashtag racing answers yep get those questions submitted guys it's uh it'll be a great segment and it's uh 
it's going to help a lot of people. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. We just uh, we need more feedback. Got some good feedback, but we need some more. So keep sending those questions in. We talked a little bit about racing RVs earlier. Jed, tell us a little bit about racing RVs as it applies to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Well, Luke, we all know that racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, you know, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers, including Austin Williams, Disco Dean, of course, yourself. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. And that is Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, they do financing, they take trade-ins, they'll do consignments. You name it, they can take care of you. Visit them online at racingrvs.com. In addition to racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. This Is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive group of racers with whom I work with individually on all facets of drag racing. What do you get as an elite member? Well, for starters, unlimited access to all of the trainings on thisisbracketracing.com, but that is just the tip of the iceberg. In addition, elite members are part of an exclusive community. We share results. We give each other feedback on a weekly basis. The community also includes regular trainings from me, live chats in which we discuss topics and questions from the members, and weekly challenges which are typically, but not always, practice tree related to keep our members on point. I attribute a lot of my personal success to This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and our members are killing it on the track as well. To learn more, check out the link on thisisbracketracing.com. It's on the homepage, or message me directly. All right, our next guest is a guy that has a long background in several different forms of motorsports. Uh, he is the team captain of Team Louisiana for the All-State Challenge. And of late, uh, not just a racer, the man that uh, comes to a lot of big events around the country and makes sure that people are playing on a level playing field. He's uh, the tech inspector for some big events that we'll talk about soon, but want to bring him in. Cody Harger, glad to have you with us. Hey, guys. How's it going? Glad to be here. Doing well, man. Doing well. Thanks for coming on on with us, man. I, I know you as a as a racer from Louisiana. Been racing with us for several years. As Jed alluded to, you have kind of uh, put on a different hat at least a handful of times a year. I know that uh, you're in charge of tech inspection at the Million Dollar Race, also the uh, Drag Race Results Ultimate Series events in 2017. I guess my first question is, how did that come about? Like, uh, how did that conversation get started? And how did you kind of transition from a racer and or going into the tech inspection side of things? Well, honestly, it kind of happens how racers help each other. I was parked across the way from uh, Randy Folk at the uh, one of the DRR races last year, the one in the middle of the summer. And he was having an issue with his Corvette, not wanting to, to behave well on him. And uh, the thought was, hey, let's maybe make a timing adjustment or things like that. Well, unfortunately, uh, he didn't have anyone there at the moment that uh, that could give him a hand with it. And so uh, someone was called over and they said, I don't know what I'm doing. And Gail, go get Cody. He's across the way. He'll he'll know what to do. He'll know how to change it all. So come over and just uh, 
help Randy, you know, make a couple adjustments to the timing on his vet the way he wanted it done. And from there, I didn't realize it at first, but it was basically a job interview. He was uh, asking me a bunch of questions and, and, you know, what I thought about this and are people doing that? And, and it just kind of led to one thing or another. And by the end of the weekend, he was saying, hey, look, you want to be my tech man at the million. So it's kind of how that come about. And then, you know, just from what working at the million, talking with Scott Lemon about, you know, the DRR deal. And he said, hey, look, I, I kind of want to do the same thing, maybe not quite to the scale that Randy did it. But, you know, definitely want somebody looking at something. So we kind of worked out a deal there, too. Makes sense. Now, uh, I know Jed, to some extent, has some, some opinions. Everybody has opinions on this stuff. Uh, I've, I've got some pretty strong opinions that go in a bunch of different directions, but like, I don't want to dominate the conversation here. We've got you on for a reason. So let's talk through some things and kind of see where the discussion goes. What, obviously, is someone that's more on the forefront of electronics and technology than either of us? Tell us a little bit about like what is available possible realistic to to use to to cheat in the world of sportsman drag racing okay well my kind of thoughts on are you know you've got two separate entities you got the starting line and then you got down track and they're two completely different systems Mm -hmm. as far as starting line say you know we've all heard the story of photo cells and cameras and things like that it's almost kind of like when when we talked when the all-state debate was first brought up everybody says ah if you can win at my track you win at the other well everybody's got the story about somebody that they knew that somebody took a picture of their car while they were staged and the car took off from the flash so (laughs) so everybody's heard those things so like there's really nothing commercially available that is you know kind of plug and play if you will to manipulate anything on the starting line or, or to seek a bulb or something like that. Now that's not to say that they can't be, can't be done, but there's just nothing that you can call up, give a credit card number and get mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, the down track, you know, making a car run the same thing every time or may, not necessarily the same thing every time, but exactly what you want it to every time. Mm-hmm. There are a few options, you know, that are commercially available. Last time I checked, this probably about a year ago, you can actually still buy a Matty box. He still has them for sale on his uh, his website, the, the infamous drag race analyzer. Then, uh, you know, the 7531 MSD Digital 7 box, it has the, the first generation of SLU or what's called writing the dots control based off of engine RPM. Then everyone knows about the uh, the ARC module that plugs into the grid. It basically, it, it takes the SLU rate to the next level by not only allow you to use a rev limiter, but you can use timing manipulation to either match a engine RPM curve or probably the more potent option would be a drive shaft curve. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another option. My like, understanding of how the slew rate works is it's basically a self-correcting adjustment of either timing or rev limiters throughout the run. Is that accurate? Correct. Now, the term slew rate, uh, you know, it's, that's kind of a, a misnomer. Slew rate is basically, it's super basic, but go, hey, my, I don't want my engine to accelerate over this RPM per second. So and it's very straight flat lines. There's no c- sort of curve matching. So when, you use, when people say the word slew rate, I, half the time I know what they mean, but that's not exactly what we would want to use for, say, to make a car run the same thing. Writing the dots is kind of a slang term. Advanced RPM control, you know, that's what that's what ARC stands for. That's kind of the terminology given. But yes, you basically you build a drive shaft curve, or you copy it over from a previous pass, and and you say, okay, I want it to do this same thing every time. 
And what the arc module will do is will it'll pull timing. If you're trying to outrun that curve, you'll it'll pull timing, and you have to set it up to tell it how much timing to pull. But it'll pull timing trying to reach make that same pass over and over. Basically just trying um, to match that preset curve. Exactly. Okay. It has some limitations to it, is that it'll only pull timing. It won't add it back in. Okay, so it won't help so speed up if you're slow. Right, but just kind of my thinking about it, it, you know, it's easy just to pull six degrees out across the board, make a pass, and then copy that, and then put all the timing back in. And then you know for a fact that you can outrun that curve, so it's always pulling, you know, instead of you, you would never need it to add back in. And then yeah. kind of another item out there. I mean, this may um, be a, a different question or something that you may not have the answer to, but, like, how consistent can that be? I've done a little bit of playing with an art module, never in competition, of course, but just playing, helping a buddy with a, with a small tire car. It won't take any old junker out there and make it print slips. It won't do that, but it will take a bad car and make it a good car, mm-hmm. not a great car, but a good car. And it will take a, a good car and make it into a really good car. So, you know, and, it, and again, it's all about how you program it. Okay. And this may be a question that you don't know the answer to or have any experience with but like can you give us any indication as to how consistent that writing the dots mentality would could be yeah to some extent I, i've done some playing with an art module in the past uh, testing on my car helping a buddy with a small tire car that has one it won't just take any crap junker car out there and make it into a, a time slip printer but it will make a bad car into a good car and it'll take a good car and make it into a pretty good car. Uh, not a great car, but, you know, still still pretty solid. It's not something where I hook this up and I'm going to go dead on zero every time I stage. Yeah, no, I wouldn't dial to the thousandth with it. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> if it keeps, you know, from that, that one instance where, you know, we go from sun up to sun down and track gets cold, whatever, and, you know, there's times where that infamous oh man i slowed down two to the 330 it might solve that problem Mm -hmm. but it's never going to just make it just you know run the same thing pass after pass after pass after pass gotcha the the msd power grid in general is kind of a hot controversial subject shed a little bit of light on it for us as we're i don't want to speak for jed like i'm fairly ignorant as to what all they can do and certainly for our listeners what can be done with the grid legally and what can be added or how can it be used in an illegal way? So the grid to me gets a bad rap because it's just not people that just don't know. Mm-hmm. They just kind of instantly assume that because I don't know anything about it, it has to be something bad about it. The grid in and of itself is pretty basic as far as controls go. I mean, you can set a timing map, you can set rev limits and, and things like that. The base platform of the grid there's nothing about it that's that even comes close to cheating the only thing that's in there is you have there's a ability for a safety rev limit is kind of a feature built in that would protect you from like a wide open throttle situation where it you know say six seconds after the trans brake releases it'll apply a rev limit that'll start at six thousand and bring it down to two thousand over a period of a couple seconds trying to help slow the car down you could, I guess, if you wanted to, you could manipulate that time back, you know, and have it hit into the run. But, you know, then again, it's a rev limiter. I mean, we've all heard down track stutters before. It's something that you're not going to get away with for very long if you do do it. Mm-hmm. So from a legal standpoint, I mean, 
I make timing adjustments all the time on my car based on track or, or what I'm seeing from my drive shaft curve or the G meter. You know, you can definitely plot in a, a timing curve that is preset that doesn't adjust itself. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know, no, I just think trying that's an to, important distinction to make. Like there is a difference between having a timing curve and having a self-correcting curve. Yes, correct? and it's yeah, that's it. If it's something that that you put in and it's going to do the same thing, you know, the timing is going to repeat itself pass after pass after pass. That's that's legal. Something that okay, well, the timing on this pass might have pulled three degrees at this spot in the run, but this pass it was a little slow, so it only pulled a degree and a half. You know, something like that, that is where, that's the fine line that you trip over between legal and illegal. Gotcha. And what can, and is there anything that can be done with the grid to make it illegal? You know, the art module is, is the definite, it's the one thing that can be, be plugged in and right away you, you've got some pretty good controls there to, to manipulate what externally. What from designed for? Like, what's the purpose of the art module? It's for heads up racers, honestly. Gotcha. It's it's for the small tire or the you know the all out pro mod crowd. To, Essentially, you know, traction control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not a very smart traction control. You're just trying to not trip over a certain point to drive shaft speed, but still pretty effective at that. For the price point, you know, if you're comparing, say, a, a Davis Technologies full on traction control unit to an Arc module, it's like a tenth or an eighth of the cost. But it, it still works for some of those guys that know what they're doing with it. They're, they do really well with it. That was kind of my next question, I guess, Cody, is what else is out there, you know, that kind of does what the grid does, but on a on a better, bigger platform, I guess. Well, Davis has one option. It's the, the profiler. It basically does what the ARC module does, except it does it at about four times the processing speed. And not only will it take timing out, but it'll put timing in. So if you make a pass and it and it's a slow pass, it'll roll all the time and you want back into it. It seems I've played around with the software on it, just looking and, and reading about it, just trying to understand what I what I've got to be looking for out there, and and it it definitely has some different options to it that the art doesn't have that I think makes it a little bit more powerful unit. But then again, they are you know they're five thousand dollars a piece if you want one. So it you know definite step up in price compared to say five hundred bucks for the art module. But I think far as a over-the-counter option to make a car repeat. I believe the Davis Profiler is the is the leader in the clubhouse at this point. Cody, when you put your tech inspector hat on, you're at the track. What are you looking for specifically at the big bracket races? So the main thing I want to see is I want to see that items are being used the way the manufacturer and the rule book intends. Another hot topic is, say, um, data loggers with drive shaft sensors. Everybody gets worried about drive shaft sensors. And rightfully so in some instances, because all those things that I mentioned, the art module with Davis profile, it all works off of drive shaft speed or some sort of shaft speed. But someone using a data logger legally, there's no issues. It's just data. It's just something that they can use to learn with after the pass. So what I look at on a car equipped with a with a drive shaft sensor is that drive shaft sensor being wired into a logger the way it is supposed to be. It's not split off and go into something else first or this or that. Same thing with crank trigger or magnetic pickup wires. Same thing with coil wires, things like that. Just don't want to see anything that uh, if you got a crank trigger on a car and there's a wire wired up to the points input on an MSD box, that's, you know, that's something that goes, okay, 
you got a crank trigger, why do you need points to fire the box? It's just one of those things that, it, you know, if things are being used the way they're intended, you shouldn't see certain things. And those are the things that I'm looking for. Cool. So, you know, I've seen you at the track, at the big races, walking around with your equipment. Uh, obviously, the the late round finishers, you're taking those guys well. But as a whole, what has been the perception from the racers? And I guess I will kind of lead you down a path here. Is it, man, we're so glad you're here. You're finally going to solve some of this. Or is it just, I'm glad they're doing this. Just make me feel better. Yeah, it, it's a lot of that. There's a few that expect me to, to, you know, pull the veil back on all the dirtiness of bracket racing. But then yeah. there's some that are just like, you know, hey, don't really expect you to see something. But, hey, I'm glad just someone's looking for something. Okay, uh, It's kind of a grab bag. For the most part, positive. I don't believe I've run into anybody super negative about it. I've got to be careful with the, the late race inspection, especially at the million, you know, because we, we were checking quarterfinal finishers and better. Well. It's really tough to, you know, a guy that just lost in the semis of the million and tell him, okay, I need you to pull all your body panels off right now. He's not in the best mood anyway, <laughs> and he, he really doesn't want someone else, you know, bugging him. So, you know, it's kind of a, a tightrope there. But then again, I haven't had anybody that just says, you know what, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you picking on me? It, none of that. It's It's all been pretty positive. You talked a little bit about the perception i guess of uh, like a drive shaft sensor speak specifically uh -huh. like i don't know if the average listener knows like race pack and msd are, are part of the same parent company and they've basically Correct. made it to where the race pack talks to the msd and back and forth and i think among the more i don't want to I'll, I'll class it i'll lump myself into this as of ignorant racers like, like we think well if that can talk to that like what can you do with that what can that do? Or assuming, I would assume that without like the arc module, that can't do anything more than a data recorder and, and a grid. Is that correct? Yeah, I'll correct you a little bit. You said they talk back and forth. There's none of that. Okay. The MSD will talk to the race pack. It'll tell it, hey, this is what I'm doing. It will not accept anything from the race pack. Okay, that makes more you sense. Know, mm -hmm. I, can't, hmm. I can't tell the tell the msd okay hey apply a step retard of five degrees when my water temperature gets to this or you know there's nothing like that that'll talk back from the race pack to the msd all the interface between the msd and race pack is is it allows you to take everything that the race pack will record or most everything and send it to the race pack that way you've got everything on one graph i got if you, you will that's uh, the way you explain that cody makes me think my wife's involved with msd somehow that's right <laughs> a lot of uh, talking not a bunch of listening huh? <laughs> i'm not gonna touch that one with a pole. <laughs> to this point cody we've been kind of in the weeds talking about the the hardcore tech aspect but like in real simple terms you're obviously pretty well versed in this stuff if you wanted to go out and bend slash break the rules where would you start as a race? honestly if i if i was gonna go out and just you know hey plan of attack I think the, the softest spot within bracket racing to go after would be trying to run a delay box in a no box category. Oh, we just had and, a conversation about that. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and it, you know, and that's the thing that the big races that I've teched at the million and the DRR, there's no bottom bulb category. It's all top bulb. So that's, you know, that's really not been my focus, but I think that's one area that if I was invited to, you know, 
be be a tech official at a you know at a no box race like that would be i wouldn't even be worried about the, the art module stuff so much as okay let's find the guys that may or may not have a delay box to me that's the it's the easiest way to cheat i think it's more effective uh you know for the most part most everybody's car now at the big races you go to is going to repeat within some small degree yeah. uh you know i've i mean i've had instances in my car where you know the three th- the 330 moves two thou over nine passes i mean it, you know it's equipment these days is so much better than what it used to be but i've yet to been able to just to master that hey i'm gonna be 003 to, to 10 all day long with no hiccups um in between no i um, agree completely like if i was gonna go out and break the rules i i wouldn't worry a bit about going dead on like i would i think there is much more variable in what we do on the starting line than the finish line like you alluded to with today's technology we can go dead on you know what i mean and, and yeah maybe that's me you could listen to that and say well that's luke speaking from experience he's got a you know, real expensive dragster like my Vegas like that when it's right you know what i mean and that would be mm-hmm. on the lower end of your of your competitive top bulb cars like with what's out there today if you're willing to pay a little bit of attention and, and work on them a little bit like you can make the car good I, if i was going to take a chance of cheating it certainly wouldn't be in that regard I, I think the bigger variable would definitely be on the starting line and like i mean on my on it, for me personally that's why i spend three or four hours a week on the practice tree on a full-size tree suited up you know what i mean to try to eliminate that variable as much as i can i think that that's where races can be won and lost now more so than the down track stuff but when we seems like when we talk about cheating outside of the the no box class like like you had mentioned all the talk is always about something that makes the car go dead on right yeah and, and honestly you, just from me from a personal standpoint i mean you know i trust my car to run within you know two numbers of what i think it's going to run i don't necessarily trust myself to be better than 20 at the tree Right. You know, so it, 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 I would definitely, you know, if, if I was going to do something and the, and the no box category to me is the one that stands out as the easiest to manipulate just because it's, there's no inherent difference from the outside of a car that's sitting on a two-step where someone's letting off of a button on the bottom bulb or if they're letting off of the top bulb. And I may be wrong in this perception, but the, you know, the cream kind of rises to the top more in your bottom bulb categories. Sure. You see a lot more no consistent, doubt. the guys that are good finishing well. So I think it's one of those deals where, in, you know, in the Super Pro or box categories, if you if you go out and win a bunch of races, you're going to be kind of a, a tall standing blade of grass where if you win a few races, no box, well, everybody's just going to kind of instantly assume, hey, that, that guy's pretty good on the bottom. You know, I think I think yeah. there's more of that. When you listen to this, when you listen to this podcast, Cody, you're going to be amazed at your timing to bring that subject up. But just to to put some clarification on what you're saying you are talking about true no box where a trans brake is allowed a rev limiter is allowed and the trans brake is engaged on every run where you think that could be manipulated more with a delay box as opposed to what a lot of people start thinking it's all one class when you're swapping feet obviously that is not as relevant yeah i don't believe so you know i've never i I mean i don't mind no box racing i mean um at the beginning of the year at Bell Rose at Johnny Ezel's race, I borrowed a buddy's car and I ran no box and had a, had a ton of, a ton of uh, fun doing it. But you know, it's, it's sitting there in the car and thinking about it. It's like, man, if I really wanted to, you know, I think I could tear this no box stuff up. It's just one of those things that when you've got a trans brake and a two step, it's not that hard to hide a box somewhere to, 
to make it where, hey, you don't have to really worry about that that thirty or forty light. You know, you're you know you're pretty much going to be solid all day long. Sure, Cody. Do you think after all you've been through in your travels, do you think cheating exists in any form of bracket or class racing? And if so, do you think it's limited? Do you think it's uh, a moderate amount, or do you think it's rampant? I'm not naive enough to think that there's nothing out there, but I do believe it's very limited. I watch results, and I and I, I probably do too much data analysis. It's, it's just kind of a, a habit. Numbers have kind of been my thing since a kid. You know, I look at all the results from all the big races, and I'll put you know different trends on average reaction times and the or or dial in. You know how people are running on their dial in, or how close finish line margins are, things like that. I just don't see anybody that is consistently going out there and just putting up just super solid numbers. Uh, you know, you have guys that get hot last year, Wes May, uh, last year also Johnny Ezel. This year, Bo Boatner is killing it. There's no one that's doing that year after year after year, you know, without any kind of hiccups or big yeah. hiccups. You know, so, yeah, I'm sure something goes on. Have I found it yet? No. Do I expect to find it? If I keep looking hard enough, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to stumble across something. I honestly think it, at the bigger events, it's probably less items are being yet, less utilized just because now they're starting to be the threat of, okay, they are looking at stuff. I would think probably the most dangerous places for it would be, you know, your local five granders or six granders, things like that. You know, not huge, but not, not, not yeah. small money by no means that for the most part, no one's going to look at a thing that would be the easiest spots to slip in. But yeah, to answer your, you know, short answer after a long answer. Yeah. I'm sure there's something. Is it, is it rampant among anything? I would say no, for the most part, people are racing straight up. And, and that's kind of okay. what I saw at the million too. No, I'm glad to hear that Cody. Cause that goes right along with, with my thoughts. Like I've, I'm like you, maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little bit naive, but I think that, the bending or breaking of the rules is virtually non-existent at the highest levels of the sport. And my take on it is like, if anybody is cheating, they're doing a pretty crummy job because it's pretty, like, I don't think we've ever had more parody. And for the most part, like I'll just, for lack of a better comparison, like I'll use myself. Uh, like I feel like I've been as successful as anybody for the last few years. And I know my stuff's legit. Like it doesn't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like there's anybody out there that I'm afraid of, so to speak. So, right. and like you had alluded to, like the legal technology is so good that I just don't know that there's much advantage to be had. Plus, I think particularly, as you said, at the bigger races now with you or somebody like you at a lot of the big events, obviously that's a deterrent. And I think for in large part, like racers tend to police themselves at that level. You know what I mean? Like if, if something yeah. fishy comes up, like there's typically somebody looking at incremental times and, and you know what I mean? Like there's somebody not mm -hmm. paying any attention to you at the finish line or whatever. You know, if that happens often enough, I think that it throws a red flag among the racers. Like you had mentioned, where there is an opportunity to cheat, I think is more so at the at the local level, particularly some of the smaller tracks are a little bit more off the radar. Mm -hmm. kind of like you had mentioned with the no box deal like you could just take advantage of something like that and, and especially i think somebody that wins a lot to begin with you know what i mean like it never would throw up a red flag uh, right and i think to me if there is anything going on i would look more at, to that level than the higher rungs of the sport but again i'm maybe i'm naive yeah without a doubt and honestly i'm 
you know, it's one of those things. I know it's it's tough to, you know, to commit to tech inspections and things at the local level, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to be quite honest, just a lot of guys that are track operators or promoters or whatever just don't have the no to or don't know anyone with the no to to really they trust to just go and look at people's stuff. But I think it's something that people really ought to, you know, try to get educated in or have someone that's educated in at your disposal that I, I think the local tracks ought to be doing more looking than just, you know, does the car have four wheels and it rolls freely? I, you know, it, it's becoming to a point, this is the technology we have today. What's the technology going to be like in five years? And honestly, from a, when I wear my tech inspector hat, you know, I look at all these different EFI systems coming out now. And I, you know, I've tried my best to, to look through at least instruction manuals or, or wiring diagrams for them, things like that. Just trying to see what their capabilities are. And some of them, some of them have so much stuff built into it, you know, it, it's crazy. So it, it, at what point is that going to start trickling into the bracket racing scene more and more? And then that becomes a whole other ball of worms to police. At that point, this turn into anything goes? I mean, do you think there's going to be any way to stop that eventually? That's a great question that I just, I don't know. You know, it, it I hope not because, uh, you know. Yeah. You know, because when it comes down to it, whenever, you know, everybody's cars are good enough now that I, I lose enough as is. I really don't need everybody to uh, be better than what they are. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a that's a scary proposition that I hope doesn't come true. But honestly, you know, you never know. I would have never guessed back in 05, 06 when I got out of drag racing the first time that I would be back in it with a car that does what it does today like if i had my car now back when i raced drag raced in 05 and 06 oh my god like multi-time million dollar winner here but you know <laughs> right no that's what i say so it's told me in in uh, 1998 that i would ever come back from a run and be very upset that my car ran 5,000 slower than i thought it would i would have laughed and we're there yeah you yeah. know what i mean so Last question. Yeah, Cody. so it's just one of those things. It's like, what's it going to be like 10, 15 years down the road, right. legal or illegal? What's going to be out there? No doubt. Last question, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's going down a little bit different road, but maybe the most important question we ask, and this has got to be tricky, like in your position as a tech inspector, how cautious do you have to be to accomplish two equally important, but I don't know, almost conflicting goals in that obviously you want to ensure a level playing field. That's why you're there. But in the event that you see something that throws up a red flag, how do you not create like an unwarranted witch hunt or inside a riot at the racetrack if, if you do find something wrong? I, you know, luckily we haven't really run into this too, too much. The thing is, I, I've just got to be quiet. My job is to, to inspect technical items. It is not to throw somebody out or call somebody a cheater or things like that. I'm there to go, hey, look, this is right or i don't think this is right mm-hmm. and it's my job to tell the promoter of that race for them to make that call there was one issue at the that i saw at the million again it wasn't all that bad and honestly the racer approached me about it he had had an art module and just so luck of the draw i was random tech on thursday of a guy that was part next to him and he come over to me and said hey when you're done with this car come over i got a couple questions for you and he said hey look i've got an art module I've had it on the car before at, at other events. I don't have it on here, but is there any, he goes, I've heard that there's, you know, ways are you telling that, that, that I had that and I don't have it now. Is there any way to keep, you know, confirming that I don't have it? 
which there is. And that art module, it does leave a footprint for you have to let the motor run for like an hour above 2000 RPM before it'll actually clear it out and let you and go back to where it doesn't throw up a red flag at me. And luckily it is on a timer. So with that information, I could easily gone screaming through the pits. This guy's got an art module. This guy's got an art module and it would have been pandemonium mm-hmm. or I can keep that to myself, alert the promoter, let him know, hey, look, I got a guy I'm watching. This is the guy. Uh, if you would highlight the round sheets for me, I just want to, you know, keep an eye on him. And then I, w- I that guy, I, I went back just about either, if not every pass or every other pass and plugged into his grid and made sure that that 60 minute timer kept counting down through the weekend. You know, I never saw it jump back up to 60. So it's just one of those deals. You just got to be careful, you know, because especially with people that don't quite understand, if you mm-hmm. say if there's any hint of some sort of foul play, it's going to be, you know, grab the pitch for boys. Let's get them. So it's just kind of being, being tactful about what you say, what you don't, what you keep close to you, things like that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think if we go back, like it was really probably before any of our time, like I wasn't there, I think it was 99 with the, the riot, I think for last, lack of a better term at, at Moroso with Rich Maddie. And, and I don't know that anything really ever got solved as a result. And like the one that comes to mind for me, and I don't want to drudge up anything from the past, but there was a, it's probably been a decade ago at the, at the U.S. Open when it was in Tri-State, they had a racer. And again, I don't want to bring up any names because it's all water under the bridge now. I don't want to drudge this up, but there was a racer that they, they did random tech with, I don't know, like the quarterfinal round or something like that. And it was an old, I think it was an old home built dragster and they saw some things that they didn't. I think the best way to put it is like they didn't understand exactly what it did. Uh-huh. And they made the decision to throw that competitor out of the event. And, you know, obviously that was a turmoil in that the, the competitor was upset because he didn't feel like he'd done anything wrong. And then in the eyes of everyone else, and this was really before social media was prevalent. Like, I can't imagine this today. Oh, but in goodness. the eyes of everyone else, he was a cheater. And I, right. to this day, none of us really no, you know, completely outside of the, outside of that racer and the guy that owned the car or what have you. And I think, like I said at the time, I felt like, man, you guys handled this wrong because what I felt like should happen. And again, this is something like I'll admit as a race promoter myself, like having gone through this, I think I have an idea what I would want to do. My answer was, hey, man, impound that car. Like, I don't care if exactly. it's Monday and you got to call somebody at MSD you know, or, or whoever, and explain to me what this is and what this does, because there's got to be one of two determinations. Either A, okay, this was something we didn't know what we were looking at, but he ain't doing nothing wrong, and that way his name uh-huh. is cleared. Or B, okay, this is what's going on, and this is how he did it, and let everybody know it so that we know what the heck we're looking for. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to hey, be one or the other. Yeah, like, that, if you look back at that situation or the, the quote-unquote dirty dozen situation, if things would have just been kept quiet, a few people will, you know, just alert, hey, look, we're looking at these guys. Hey, when the race is over, let's do some impounding and some checking or call the right people to check and not just, you know, start throwing cars out at random. You know, we might have learned something. We right. might have, you know, because like you said, we really didn't learn anything. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We, we, we think we know what happened, but no one knows for sure. And so that's one of those things that, you know, kind of the way I look at it is like, I don't want to say anything or give anybody reason to, to freak out until I know for certain. And so, you know, that's my kind of, I go at it as I'm just straight faced and, and don't try to give any reaction to what I'm seeing until I know for certain what I've seen. 
I could see you doing that good. I think you got a good poker face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you ought to ask my poker buddies. They'd say, no, he's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've seen you in action. You're not intrusive. Uh, you, you do a really good job of it. And, you know, just it's good to have you around doing that, Cody, just to just to put everybody's mind at ease. I'm I'm in the same boat Luke's in. I don't think that it's going on at a high level, but it never hurts to ease everybody's mind. Uh, we appreciate so much uh, you sharing some knowledge with us, too, on the, this subject. It's uh, It's been uh, very insightful, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time to join us today. I appreciate it. We're not going to get into the all all state smack talk. Well, I didn't really want to to run in here to, to to an ambush. I didn't really want to ambush it. No, I take that back. I want to ambush it, but I didn't really feel like this was the right time or place. I would rather do it when you can't respond. Yeah, I'll just tell you right now. I'm scared to death, Cody. I don't want none. <laughs> Your team is strong. I, I want to dog you okay. out when you can't respond to me. So uh, <laughs> that would be way better for me. It's more my style. Well, I am waiting for a response from Alabama uh, when we were in Montgomery. It might have been back in February. It was right after I posted the, the picture of the, the Bama buybacks. And I was sitting in the car right behind the water box, all suited up, trying to concentrate on my run. And Brad Ford runs up and sticks a camera phone in my face, takes a picture, looks at it and says, that'll work, and walks off. And I, I still have no idea what, what he's up to with that. So I'm, I'm patiently waiting of what's coming. I want to do it with a little more or a little less time leading up to the event, uh, but rest assured it's coming. Okay. Uh, just I do Good want deal. you to know that and uh, appreciate all the fun you made of us and uh, really how you embarrassed us. And i um, looking forward to paying you back, bud. It's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. Cody, Cody thanks for coming thanks. on, man. Thanks, guys. Right, Great job. You. Thank you so much. Yeah, that wraps up episode 30. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Racing RVs. Thanks, as always, to PJ North for providing the tunes and our intro for the show. Thanks again to our newly hired assistant. We say newly hired every week. I guess it's not that new anymore. <laughs> thanks, Mark, Romeo, for your help. If you've got ideas for the show, message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast page. We'll always try to be receptive to that. Or you can contact Mark on Facebook. Again, that's Mark Romeo. You can email him at mromeo2004 at gmail.com. Once again, we are coming to you every week of the calendar year with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It seems like we just get longer as we go. We apologize for that. Uh, we just got a lot to talk about. Uh, yes. but we'll be back here next week. We try to release an episode every Wednesday. And speaking of those episodes, guys, be sure to go subscribe uh, wherever you find your podcasts. We're at Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. Wherever you're getting your podcasts, your favorite ones, and we hope we're one of them, uh, make sure you subscribe. That lets you know when a new show is released and you get it before everybody. Obviously, we want you to tell your friends about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. We want you to share uh, what you're listening to on a weekly basis and try to get those uh, folks involved and grow our listenership and certainly want you to get your track involved. We've been asking you to do this for quite a few weeks now, and we know that there's some people out there doing it, and we want to give you some recognition for showing the or letting the, the fans listen to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast during downtime or maybe pre-race time when everybody's just pulling in the pits and getting settled. 
you know, it's quiet at the track. That'd be a good time to play the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, too. And uh, we think some people get some entertainment out of it and, and some knowledge as well. And obviously, that be sure be to... a little ambitious, some knowledge. <laughs> well, we did have Cody on. Cody probably spread the knowledge yeah, around a little our bit. our listeners so. do real good at that. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, we want you to join our Facebook community as well. Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on uh, our fan page on Facebook. Uh, touch base with us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki. And I am at JP11X, so certainly want to get the social media rolling uh, after each and every show and uh, reach out to us and, and, again, go join our Facebook community. And, um, you know, Luke, it's been a, been a great 30 shows, and this one was a little bit extra special. I think that we learned a lot today about some stuff, so uh, it's going to be beneficial to our sport and certainly to our listeners. With that question, learned a lot, and hopefully at the same time put a few people's mind at ease a little bit. Sure. So that wraps it up, guys. I hope you all have a great week, and we appreciate you listening. All right, we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get in it. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Dallas in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.